and welcome to another exciting episode of The Freak Show Podcast. I am your host, Joe AP Asian Persuasion. With me this week, as always, Tevin Napier, barely burnt bacon. Didn't Triple even let me, B. Didn't even let me get out the sidekick part, huh? No, I'm excited your sidekick. All right, Alfred. Uh, and with, well, actually, you're Robin. And with us this week, of course, our Alfred is... Bourbon and happy? Bouncy and happy? I Bouncy and happy, bourbon and happy. Are you oh. drunk? What's going on? I was thinking about Bourbon County. Bourbon County, huh? Yeah. You mean the bourbon capital of the world? Yes, I do. Because this week we have an interview with a very exciting man named Richard Caldwell. Yes, we do. Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and get into it uh, with Richard Caldwell. Uh, This week we actually were able to get um, a journalist and uh, self-proposed conspiracy theorist Richard Caldwell uh, um, how you doing today, Richard? I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, I was wondering, um, we did have a question about, so you, um, what made you start getting into uh, the Bardstown mysteries and everything that had to do with that area? Um, well, my family tree is halfway from the area. My mom grew up in Bardstown, uh, the middle of 15 kids. Uh, oh, wow. Um, she grew up there and and tried to retire there, and um, she was uh, living in assisted living facility for about 16 years before her health got a little too far along. But, but um, I eventually tried to settle. I mean, I, I have I'm I'm probably related to half the people in Nelson County surrounding Bardstown, and I've always been fascinated with the place. It was. When I was little and, and growing up in Texas, it was this magical place we'd go to every other summer to see the grandparents and the distant cousins and everything. And um, I always had it in the back of my mind that that was where I'd want to settle. And, yeah. And um, yeah. I mean, in my 20s, I, I was traveling all over the country, but um, get a little bit older and you start to feel that that pull for roots. And uh, I came back to the area and uh, um. It's grizzly. Um, several years ago, uh, Rand McNally, uh, makers of those maps, uh, did a national contest with USA Today looking for um, the most beautiful small town in America. And Barstown got the award. Yeah, I saw um, that. Um, I was a little confused. So uh, do they not? So is that only uh, a visual thing? Do they not look at anything that happens in the area? A lot of it is optics. I mean, um, Bourbon County is the nickname for Nelson County, where Barstown is. Right. Um, basically, if, if bourbon doesn't come from Kentucky, then technically it's not bourbon. And yeah, the bourbon I, festivals, the bourbon festivals there are huge. People come from all over the world. Um, a lot of the city and the county's budget comes from the revenue of those those uh, tourist dollars. Um, and and um, it was right on the line of uh, the. The Mason-Dixon line, I guess. So there's a lot of Civil War reenactments, you know, a lot of fetishing of the past. You know, downtown Barstown looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. I mean, Christmas time especially, you walk down the street, you think you've been blasted back in time in the 50s. Um, everything is picture perfect. Um, half the local newspaper is just um, on this day in history. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, gripping crime sagas or, you know, um, exposing scandals or anything like that. Um, 
But in the last 10 years or so, uh, it has been a different story. Um, murder after murder after murder, all unsolved. Bank robberies, meth labs, everything like that, which you is everywhere. A lot about, I haven't been able to find any information on the Bardstown money gang. Everything that I try to look up, it seems like a lot of people are just not talking about it, uh, except for maybe the connection between Officer Ellis being murdered and the Bardstown money gang only because one guy that was supposedly in the gang uh, opened up their mouth in prison. Uh, I mean, so when you were, uh, so did you interview a lot of people in the area and everything to kind of get um, all the information that you've compiled together on your website? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I lived and worked in the area often one, four years, um, especially for the last dozen or so years. Uh, the the BMG will never be as big as their egos. They're they're basically a, a little street gang. Um, so what about uh, the murders? Do you think the five mis uh, uh, the five unsolved murders? You don't think that all those are connected to them, or do you think it's more of like a big picture thing? I don't believe it's connected to them. Um, okay. With 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 all of the the big deal murders that are unsolved, uh, resources would be necessary for um, blockading against police investigations. Uh, um, they, they're petty drug dealers, you know? Um, yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't pull off the assassination of an uh, off-duty police officer, you know, stalking his typical routes home, knowing that he would be coming home um, after working late at an odd hour. Um, they wouldn't be able to conduct that sort of thing when half of them aren't even wearing shoes. You know? That's fair. Um, so, so you think that um, they're so they're convenient about, scapegoats. Yeah. So so you don't believe in um, anything that was said when uh, one of the men came forward in prison about the or uh, basically confessing to the murder, uh, more or less. Um, so you don't believe that that was um, inaccurate of what actually happened, or that maybe he was coerced into it. I don't know about coercion. Um, I think he might have just been looking to cut some sort of deal for himself. Um, yeah, to, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, for parole that much sooner. But I, I think there's so many people in the community who are so hungry for answers and closure, and yeah. uh, so many families that have not seen justice um, that that people are desperate for that. I just did this other podcast I told you about um, yeah, by email. Now. Yeah, yeah, from the Vault Studios. Um, yeah. Apparently, their parent company owns a lot of news agencies uh, around the country, a lot of local network affiliates, and, and they're sharing resources looking into these sorts of stories. And when it comes to Barstown, um, something they realize is that <clears throat> there's so many unsolved mysteries. Like, if just one of these was a headline you know, that, that would be a big deal. But the fact that yeah. they keep happening yeah. and there's no answers and the people are so hungry for some kind of resolution, there's, there's, there's an appeal to be able to tie them all together and to say, oh, there's a criminal mastermind calling the shots and this is why this and that happened. And um, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think if law enforcement plays any role as far as crooked cops, then these cops might be involved in that thing and these cops might be involved in the other thing. And I don't think it's, it's an orchestrated hierarchy. And yeah. that, yeah. that brings us back to the cornbread mafia thing too. It wasn't a singular organization. It was kind of a label thrown at a lot of similar mm -hmm. conduct happening across the region. And, and there's a spectrum to it. 
You know, the, there were the, the heavy duty offenders, you know, the bikers and, and um, truckers and, and felons, ex-cons actively transporting heavy duty narcotics, you know, across county lines, state lines. At the other end of the spectrum, there are kindly old hippies who just wanted to grow their own so they didn't have to go into town and buy from strangers. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, you, in your article uh, uh, that you wrote about a lot of that, I know that you connected the cornbread mafia to uh, the cornucopia and Ken K's and um, EFT span, which is kind of where we're wanting to lead to. Our last episode in part one, we did the cornbread mafia, where we did cover a lot of. Um, like the crime and everything um, in the area, the five unsolved murders, and um, even some of the crooked cops. I didn't even realize until recently that Bardstown has their own subreddit. Have you seen that? Yeah. 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 There's a lot of information in there and, and, and people getting into a lot of headlines and everything. But um, so are you related to some of the people that were in the Cornbread Mafia? Um. I would think so. Um, yeah. And, and along with the, the Cornucopia group and the, the F-SPAN group, um, I think there were people who were participating in what would now be considered the Cornbread Mafia, even if at the time they would not have seen it that way themselves. Yeah. yeah. Have you looked up any uh, – um, have you been able to find any research on any of the – the money aspects of the cornbread mafia. I'm a little confused on how money laundering or, or anything else like that would work. Or was there even a reason to even try to hide how they were getting income in a small town like that? Well, I mean, the easiest way to hide it would be if people with resources were involved, you know, um, yeah. city councilmen, yeah. landowners, law, law enforcement officials. Um, the money wasn't an issue. Drugs have always been big. I mean, people yeah. were growing marijuana here a hundred years before right. anything like the cornbread mafia came along. Yeah, I think when you watch a lot of TV shows and stuff, since since drug uh, TV shows and everything have really come up a lot lately, that it seems like money laundering always seems like this big thing and taxes seem like a big thing. But I'm, I'm seeing more crime more and more and realizing that I guess hiding your money from the government is not as that big of an issue as you think it would be. You know, it, 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 it seems to come off a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the final FBI raids back in the 90s, um, they commented that the Cornbread Mafia had spread across into 10 different states. I mean, right. that was a lot of movie, uh, a lot of money moving in a lot of different directions. Yeah. And some people did get very rich from it. Um, yeah. Other people, it was just a hobby. It was a gas, you know. Right. I think Brittany and Tevin actually had a couple of questions for you if you were willing to answer. Hey, yeah. Fire um, away. Could you go more in onto S-Band? Because it was very hard to find information about them. I know on the uh, article you linked to their business page. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're largely pre-internet. Um, the property it sits on is in uh, St. Francis, uh, um, in Marion County, um, right next door to to where we are now in Washington County and Nelson County, uh, Springfield and Bardstown. Um, basically, the the property was a private farm across 150 years, and in the late 60s or early 70s, um, there was a UFO cult that would meet uh, 
in the the heart of the property. It's like a small patch of very dense forest, and there's like this hill in the middle. And the top of the hill, there are these ancient barns that are 150 years old. Um, in the the early 70s, the F-span people started to move into there, and basically, it was a sort of wannabe hippie commune. Um, People who met at festivals, wanted to get their own thing going, would find this remote area and settle there, buy up this old farmland from these dying out families, and um, took it over for their own. And they grew a lot of marijuana there. They grew a lot of mushrooms there. Um, They did some freaky stuff back in the 70s, but it wasn't for profit or to to get outsiders addicted to this or to that. It um, It was its own thing. But now, because they were so protective of that, and because the members have matured in age and aren't looking to do kinky, drug-fueled orgies every weekend, um, because of the protections from those activities over the last few decades, um, that forest is pristine, and it is federally recognized now. They actually get some grant monies um, from the federal level uh, to maintain that property. Yeah, I, know and I learned from it because I worked out there for one of, for one of the residents about five years ago, and part of my duties was to um, fix up fence lines when hunters would try to sneak across to poach. Um, I would clean up their beer bottles. I would have to dispose of the corpses of deer that drunken hunters would leave off in the woods. I'd have to rip down vines of poison ivy to to keep them from strangling the trees. You know. Yeah, um, it, it was a preservation effort at, at maintaining the pristineness of, of that property. But now, I mean, the people who were doing crazy things out there now, they have become property owners elsewhere. They are responsible members of society and this and that. But I mean, like I alluded to earlier, I think many of them were contributing to the cornbread mafia without realizing it because yeah. some of the acreage of pot was coming from their neck of the woods, you, you know. So it seems like with uh, F-Span and Cornucopia, they were both producing weed, which wound up feeding into Cornbread Mafia, even if they weren't trying to actively become part of the crime syndicate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Well, I don't think... Hmm. I was going to say, I don't think Johnny Boone was really trying to be part of... Like, I, don't, I don't think he was really trying to commit crimes. I think he was just trying to grow his own, like, weed. And, well, I mean, profit. Well, it did seem... But, I was going to say... I, if you're spanning over that many states, at some point it does become a crime ring, whether you want it to be or not. It's kind of like the Breaking Brat or the Breaking Bad thing, right? He just wants to start cooking crystal meth, and by the end of the uh, um, by the end of the first episode, he's kidnapped two drug dealers, had them in a basement, and ends up having to murder them. Yeah. Like whether he wants to or not, it once you start getting into crime where violence is appropriate, yeah. like it it is going to happen. Yeah. But, and I guess that's, that's where a, a lot good analogy. Yeah. I mean, I, well, and it's crazy because so um, we I found a, um, an America's Most Wanted um, episode of Johnny Boone. And they start talking about a lot of um, one of his sons uh, while he was in prison for those 20 years ended up stealing two hundred thousand dollars from him and building his own giant house and then ends up committing suicide. And then uh, that son's wife, um, mom uh, ends up apparently telling a neighbor that they are going to uh you know tell about johnny boone to the authorities again and testify and she ends up being hung in a barn 
And yet when I look online and stuff, there is no, um, there isn't a lot of, you know, uh, coverage of it. There is no real documentation that I can find. It's almost like you have to go to Bardstown, Nelson County, Marion County yourself, look in the libraries and hopefully you find something in their, you know, in, in their paper systems. And uh, I mean, do, um, are you finding more crime and more things down there as you go that seem to just not be reported? Well, on one hand, I mean, it's not like there were people blogging about it in the 70s and 80s, you know, yeah. for obvious yeah. reasons. Um, a lot of it, uh, our stories passed on. Um, I did have uncles who took turns growing for each other, um, specifically so that they did not have to deal with strangers. That, But they would never have considered themselves part of some sort of elite criminal ring, you know, um, I mean, especially with their occupations now. Um, but just, a lot um, of it was, was passed on word of mouth, you know, I mean, you get to know people, yeah, you get to know their yeah. backstories. And when you live along those people in those backstories for so long, um, the extreme aspects kind of get downplayed, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you kind of almost take it for granted that, wait, wait, wasn't your dad busted like 20 years ago for growing a hundred acres? Like, isn't that kind of a big deal? Yeah. Um, you forget that when the person's your next door neighbor. And, yeah. and I think yeah. there's a lot of that in that community. So you don't think that a lot of, so like, I'm, I, I just want to understand. So you think, so EFT Spain was growing their own drugs, but you don't think that they knew that they were connected to the Cornbread Mafia. So where, where does the exchange of drugs going into the cornbread mafia and going up the ladder and to the point where, you know, it, it does become a major drug distribution center and there is money being made, you know, who, who gets those drugs, who makes that money, where do, you know, where are the lines crossed? Well, I mean, again, the cornbread mafia wasn't necessarily a hierarchy. I mean, there, there's yeah. folk heroes like like Johnny Boone, um, but there were several other people who were doing the exact same thing with the same reach back in the day. Um, right. A lot of people profited to varying degrees. Um, I'm proposing that if F-SPAN did play a part, they were a supplier for some of the goods. Because yeah. as large as what we know today as the Cornbread Mafia was, I mean, that was thousands of acres, apparently right. by the FBI into 10 different states. Um, now, with Cornucopia, I think what they contributed would have been contacts because everyone involved in Cornucopia came to the region from diverse states all over the country. Yeah. Um, How much do you know about Ken Case? I wanted to get into that with you, too, because I know that um, I, I'll be honest, I'd never heard of the guy before until uh, probably two or three weeks ago. Um, I would just I've never met him, but. I've, I've spoken with easily two dozen different people who, who knew him and thought very highly of him. Um, the impression I get was that he was a less horny David Koresh. Um, Do you think less he, horny? He, he wasn't I... marrying off all the female <laughs> members. Um, yeah. Um, he wasn't messing around with children. Um, there was never an FBI raid on his compound or anything like that. But yeah. he was a shuckster. Um, um, he was finding ways to collect money from well-intentioned people and making that money disappear. 
Yeah, and that's why um, I did read somewhere that someone proposed that Ken Kays actually might have helped in the money laundering of the cornbread mafia. And at first it does seem a little far-fetched, but when you really do look at like the way that Ken, because Ken Kays was a, you know, uh, he inherited uh, millions from his parents and then he ended up giving it all away and opened up this, you know, one one center and then another center and then the cornucopia and all these different things. Uh, I mean, he sold a yacht, so he kind of did have some type of understanding of how money worked and how all that was represented, I think, um, as if, a whole. If I ever came across hard evidence that, that he was an active player and, and any of the, the Cornbread Mafia um, octopus tentacles, um, I'd be sold in a heartbeat because there's that convenient coincidence of him ultimately going into hiding right about the same time that the federal raid started taking place. Yeah, and the cornucopia was sold, which was like right before the federal raids went. And I really found that interesting that he leaves because he's had supposedly because he's having issues with people in the corn um, uh, in the cornucopia, and then whoever is leading the cornucopia at the time. They basically go, they say bankrupt and end up uh, going and, you know. They, they were hippies stuff. left hanging who had to go out and get day jobs. That's really what Cornucopia yeah. was. Yeah. Um, I I know there's different stories that are told in the Cornucopia where he would tie random, you know, men and women together for oh, yeah. days on end and, and have them have sex and, and have to sleep together, eat together, use the bathroom together. And there's stories where Ken Case had polio, so he ended up going paraplegic and where uh, he ultimately said that no one was allowed to have sex anymore. And uh, they all the women had to come to him and let him perform cunglingus uh, on them. Uh, I just there there's crazy, crazy sex stuff. That's why when you said you know less sex driven, I was sitting here like, well, I don't know. It seems like every cult leader I'm finding, it seems like sex is their downfall. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, gosh, Keith Rainier. That, that yeah, was... Keith Rainier with Nexium Cult and uh, Charles Manson. It seems like uh, sex always ends up being right in the middle of these type of things. You know. Yeah. It. If, if, if happiness is involved, sex seems to not be too far behind. So what have you heard about with uh, the stories with Kincaid's and the tying them together and everything? If you've heard anything. Well, there's a lot of overlap between the Cornucopia group and the S-Band group because they both kind of blew up here about the same time and pretty much in the same area. Um, there were people, uh, as I wrote to you an email, there, there were people who were active in both. Yes. Um, Um, did you see, so with the, um, with the EF span, I know now they're saying that the land in St. Francis is now more of a wildlife preserve, but before it was used for channeling, um, I know you're, you're in, uh, uh, you definitely follow a lot of different things. Did you, um, ever really experience what that meant or have you read up on, uh, like mediuming or channeling of, of outside yourself or any of that? The top of the hill especially is a creepy place. It looks like something from a Lovecraft story. You Does get it? the feel that a lot of crap has happened there over the centuries. Um, 
Uh, they've denied it, the, the F-SPAN people that, that I dealt with. But I really believe that that UFO cult from the 60s <clears throat> was their first step into that area. I think when they came there, they were really loaded on drugs and uh, realized it was a nice place. So they, they wanted to make it a little bit more permanent. Um, it is a creepy place. But I mean, Kentucky is a haunted state. It's it's um, bloody ground is, is what the Indians called it, right? Why do you uh, call Kentucky a haunted state? Oh, there's. Do you there's mean haunted of... as in ghosts? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so I, I mean for the listeners, well, like I... like okay, Kentucky was founded originally as a, a prison colony for the thirteen colonies. The the oh, oldest proto cathedral uh, church outside of the thirteen colonies is Saint Joseph's in Bardstown. Um, basically, we that. were we were the Australia. Uh, of our day, oh, wow. we, we were surrounded. We're surrounded by the Appalachian Mountains and dense forest. You know, yeah, um, exactly. People yeah, in Kentucky. Know. This is something uh, um, uh, Hunter Thompson was big on. Um, that the people in Kentucky now are descended from the nation's first rapists and killers. Um, we oh. have psycho in our blood. That explains my family. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. That explains so much. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sure. So, uh, sorry about that for a second. Uh, we, I, I did have a couple more questions. So, so do you believe in ghosts? Is that something you believe in, Richard? Do you think that that's something that, um, like, are you like a firm believer in stuff like that? I, um, I didn't know where exactly you, um, I know we've emailed a few times. I didn't know where, uh, the spectrum ended or, or, uh, began on, on what exactly, um, you studied or believed in or anything else. I don't know a lot about you. I mean, if you're around long enough, if you travel enough, I mean, you're bound to see some weird things. Um, I, I, I've experienced things that science wouldn't be too quick to explain and that don't fit in with any of the Orthodox religions. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, what have you seen? Please give, please give me some examples. Yeah. We're going off topic here, but, okay, but this uh, is a big deal personal for us. story. Uh, about a dozen years ago, I worked at Rose Bowl Lanes in Louisville, Kentucky. It was a bowling alley. Um, that place is notoriously haunted. You do a search on that, you will find all kinds of crazy stories. While I was working there, uh, on my birthday one year, the cash register and the little deli uh, kept printing up these receipts. And the, the, the middle of the receipts, you know, it was like jumbled letters and numbers, but there was slash Richard, slash Richard, slash, like forward slash Richard. And there's no way to type in letters, period. So, like, for a month after, all the employees thought that the ghosts of the bowling alley had it in for me. Oh, um, wow. But much more common there was, like, random power outages, um, things being moved, um, if there are actual ghosts, um, I don't know if that means maybe if there's some sort of afterlife, maybe it's not an instantaneous thing, you know, maybe there's yeah. a journey yeah. and they get lost figuring out how to get there. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's more of a physics thing where um, uh, the vibration of those molecules that form that identity, that the, the location remembers that, you know, like a, um, like a CD stuck on a loop. Um, yeah, yeah, we talked about that where um, almost like 
how time is not linear, but it's in waves and how we could see like a, a, a reflection of the past in the present. But um, I don't know if that necessarily uh, supports the idea of uh, or like the concept of you um, like you said, you know, it, it interacting with you, that's kind of where, where I fall and I, and I don't fully understand what it is that, um, goes on. I'm definitely interested in it. I think as a Christian, it is very hard to believe in ghosts unless, you know, Christianity teaches evil spirits for sure. And it definitely, uh, but it also harps so hard on afterlife that it is very hard. I feel to sometimes believe in something like that. But I mean, when there's so many different you know, uh, experiences from people, you can't help but wonder what something like that is, right? Yeah, it, it's hard to reconcile what we know with evidence of things that we don't know. And right. uh, it, it, it kind of goes back to the Cornbread Mafia, too. I mean, I know a couple of books have been written on, on that era and the many players involved, and a lot of names aren't widely considered. You know, there's not a whole lot of other people throwing Ken Keys into the mix or S-Span or Cornucopia. No, no. And I, I think part of that is is because, you know, people don't want to incriminate their own. They 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 feel guilty about shaming, you know, their family members or, or their neighbors or, or that sort of thing. There's almost a denial kind of thing, even when there's an evidence there that betrays the idea that, you know, maybe they weren't, you know, always good members of society. Maybe other things happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we do have a couple more questions. I know Brittany wanted to ask you about the corruption in Bardstown, actually. Uh, Brittany, what did you have to ask about that? Yeah, the uh, previous mayor, Mayor Royalty, was booed out in... I had it written down. But he was uh, booed out. But uh, what's been going on with that whole... Has it gotten better since he's gotten booted out? And uh, Mayor Keaton, I think, took back over? Actually, I think we're on our second or third mayor since royalty was unanimously voted out by the city council a few years ago. Yeah. Um, the the entire hierarchy of the Barstown Police and the Nelson County Police Departments have both changed in the last three or four years. Um, every every single senior officer has been nudged into retirement or found cause to quit. Um, so there's kind of this back and forth now where this younger crop have taken over, but they're still not answering any of these questions. Um, they're still yeah. not finding resolution on any of these cases. And to my mind, and to the minds of a lot of people in Barstown, which I mean, with these issues, they're so big and they keep happening and there's no resolution. Everybody knows about the problems. Everybody has an opinion on the problems. <laughs> There's only two ways of looking at the local law enforcement. Either they're grossly incompetent, um, megalithically incompetent, and should all be flipping burgers somewhere, or their hands are dirty. Um, maybe it's not a universal thing where every officer is involved, but um, the ones who are not involved don't seem to be putting that much effort into calling out their brother officers. Right. right. Yeah, so, yeah. So since we're talking about uh, the officers again, uh, you had mentioned earlier that uh, you didn't think that the money gang had enough resources to uh, follow that cop and like memorize his route and like, you know, just like basically follow him and like pick the right time to like off him. Like I was thinking, like, do you think maybe that the officers were help that he had like other dirty officers helping helping them? 
Well, I mean, uh, it was it was uh, the, proven it was a sharpshooter. It was a sharpshooter who took down um, Officer Jason Ellis. It, it wouldn't have been some random idiot with a gun. It was so um, the, either ex-military or a seasoned hunter. It, it so was a sharpshooter. I heard it was a twelve gauge. So is so is that rolled out at this point? You think? Well, it was up up on a ledge. Um, they had, they had mapped out the the area in advance and pulled out a log. They knew that he would be coming back. They knew the route he would take. They knew the odd hour he was coming back. Right. Um, they pulled this tree out so that he'd have to get out of his vehicle to move it. Yeah. And they had lined it up perfectly. Like the police CSI people figured out the exact angle and, and source of the pulling trigger and everything. And it was a crack shot you know it, it could not have been some random idiot with a gun and uh, ellis at the time that he was killed he had been with the the local police force for two or three years i think he was the newest officer um now the story is there's there's people who believe that he was close to making some big drug bust um i don't think that was true um I think he was just a legitimately honest person. I don't. I, I don't think he had been in the area long enough to get his hands dirty. Yeah, there was um, not I, much reason to or cause to even take him out. They like it just shows that it's not even that big of a deal to them at this point. Yeah, I, I think if it was a, a fellow officer who did that, um, I don't think I. I don't think so much. It was they 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 smelt him as a potential threat. But maybe they wanted to make an example of him of the the lower rung officers who were already yeah. in on it, you know. And 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 I think in the same sense that was why some of those senior officers who were on duty at the time have since um, left their posts in their early retirement. Um, I can imagine someone pulling them aside and saying, "Hey, you remember what happened to Jason Ellis, right? You know, go ahead yeah. and sign the papers and walk," um, which is outrageous. To say that that the corruption could be that blatant anyway, but half of Bardstown believes that. Yeah. And um, yeah. there there have been some some national outlets that have tried to to cover the story. Um, Doctor Phil Palazan, Nancy Grace. Um, nobody even came close to considering law enforcement. No, but no, they didn't. If you look at law enforcement, it would explain everything. Yeah. And there's another case of the Netherlands murder. Uh, a mother yep. and daughter um, brutally murdered in their own home. There was no forced entry, which means right. it was either someone they knew or someone they respected, like with a badge. Nothing was taken from their home. No valuables. Their purses were there. Their 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 food stamp cards were there. Their money was still there. Nothing was touched. Um, there would be no reason for the BMG to be involved there if nothing was taken. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, I um, think yeah, we talked about their mother or daughter was witness to something. They were at the wrong place at the wrong time, and they were followed home. There were signs that the daughter was tortured. The 14 year old girl was tortured before they smashed her head in with a hammer. I think because they were interrogating her to see if she told anyone whatever she saw. Do you think that, there's any connection between Officer Ellis and the fact that his special needs son was actually? Uh, a student of the the Netherlands mom, Kathy. You, yeah, Kathy. Do you think that there's a connection there at all? Only in the sense that it's a small town and everybody knows everybody. Gotcha. I mean, so uh, so the landlord, corruption. the landlord for the Netherlands at the time was Brooks Hauk, and it's his girlfriend Crystal Rogers who came up missing and is now presumed dead. 
um, Crystal Rogers' father was murdered um, in another incident hunting and apparently by a sharpshooter. Um, I believe her dad was killed because he had become an advocate for police accountability. Um, Crystal's parents, um, they have been keeping the fight up. Um, and in all of these other murders, um, Jason Ellis left behind a wife with two young sons. You know, they had just moved to the area in recent years. Um, the Netherlands, there was an older daughter who was living out of state and enrolled in college. Their father had already passed away of cancer. Um, she wasn't in a position to come here and lead some kind of movement. Um, Crystal Rogers, her parents, um, Sherry and Tommy Ballard, um, they've lived here their entire lives. Um, very productive members of society, very well-liked and well-respected members of society. Um, people have gone into mental asylums over a fraction of what Sherry has endured in the last few years, losing her daughter and her husband both separately, both two unsolved murders. But right. she has brought so much strength to this community and she gets attacked online. She gets attacked in person. Um, because official investigations would drop from time to time, um, the, the state police keep dropping their own investigations into these murders, and they never reveal why. There's been three separate state-level investigations into the Jason Ellis murder. All of them were terminated without any explanation provided to the public or the press or anything like that. Um, to fill those gaps, you know, between moments when people remember that these murders are unsolved, uh, um, Sherry Ballard pulls together her friends and family to organize searches, to dredge rivers and all that. And yeah. when the weather's yeah. bad, they still get together and they look for other things to do. And a lot of it is community outreach. Um, they raise money for poor families to keep their lights on over the holidays. Um, they hand deliver food to needy families. They, they do all these things that the city council should be doing. You know, right, looking out right. on their own, um, because any chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You know, um, I think Tommy, uh, her husband, was a lot more vocal about questioning. You know, why is so much time passing? Why are the police doing nothing? Why have they yet to find any any answers? You know, and again, this looks like law enforcement might be responsible because they either got their feelings hurt because they're incapable of doing their jobs or they're insulted because they're not getting away with something and this person is daring to ask questions. Uh, so it, is it popular belief that they were killed by sharpshooters? Because a lot of the articles that I'm seeing are saying that Officer Ellis and that Tommy were shot by 12-gauge shotguns. Has that been ruled out? Is there... Um, or, or, or is that something that's being talked about in um, in the Bardstown area, or or what exactly? I I'm not sure offhand exactly what what exactly what weapons were used, but I mean they they did test um, uh, the oxygen cable channel did a, a multi part investigation last year, um, especially dealing with the 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 Ballard family, and they did their own forensics analysis of um, the murder scene where, where Tommy was killed and um, the angle of the shot from the source of the gun blast to its destination. Um, it was the kind of thing that you could not pull off in golden eye. Um, gotcha. So it's not, so, so it definitely 
was probably a cover-up of some kind showing that it was a shotgun or something else in order to try to, uh, I guess, cover up exactly who would have done it or what exactly was being completed, I suppose. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't some 20-year-old crack dealer. You know, right. it, it was someone who knew how to use weapons. Yeah, then I'm glad we talked to you today because, like I said, it when you really start looking into this stuff, it's not something that you can't – or it's not something that you can get into uh, without, uh, you know, finding people like you who are willing to put in the legwork, who are willing to interview the people, who are willing to, inside their own, you know, place where they live – kind of be uh, willing to investigate and see what everyone says. I uh, I personally, you know, I live in northern Kentucky, uh, and I'm about probably, you know, two and a half hours away from you, and we're all like, I, I, I don't even know if I'd be comfortable going down there and talking to people, because you never know who you're going to talk to uh, in the wrong light, you know? And, honestly, uh, I mean, honestly, well, everything yeah, aside, I mean, it really is, I'm sorry. Oh, so, uh, I was just going to say that, you know, honestly, we live two and a half hours away, and I ne- and I never heard of this until like Joe was like, "Hey, you want to do you want to do an episode on the Bardstown on the Bardstown's murder?" I'm like, "What do you like? What do you murders?" I'm like, "What do you mean we have five unsolved murders? Like it's like that's insane." I mean, it really is a beautiful place. There's a lot of great people there, but I mean, because of these murders going unsolved, it's it's making things very divisive. It, it's bringing out the worst in some people, and it's bringing out the best in some people. Um. And it, it goes back to the cornbread mafia because if if all that was supposedly dealt with twenty years ago, why has the the drug issue in the region exploded since then? If there is officially no more cornbread mafia, um, I think law enforcement just inserted itself atop that pyramid. I think they've been running the show since then. I think local law enforcement may be undergoing a little civil war, and. Um, there's a younger crop that wants uh, a bigger piece of the pie now, and the, the older badges are being pushed out the door. Um, I think a lot of people feel that way. And it, it's frustrating when the, the national media platforms try to do a story and they don't even look at that. I mean, right. if there's no more cornbread mafia, then, you know, why is it worse now? Right, yeah, exactly. And so... Um, I mean, are you seeing? Um, I I I kind of just want to end with this. I, would, I was just wondering, are, um, are you seeing a lot of like uh, political figures and officers and everything in the area driving around with Lamborghinis and and buying nice houses and and owning all kinds of land and and owning all these different things? Or or uh, I mean, how visible is the corruption in kind of not just the way that they're acting, but just in in, in purchases and everything like that? Um. The cop I hate the most is named uh, Mackenzie Mattingly. Uh, he made national headlines a dozen years ago uh, when he was working in Louisville for shooting an unarmed black teenager in the yeah, back I saw like that. 20 times or whatever. Um, before it was cool. Before everyone was doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, his, the his real punishment, of the cops. Yeah, his punishment was just to be moved to a different precinct. Um, with that on his background, um, he served as the interim police chief when um, the then chief Rick McCoven uh, retired early. While he was the interim police chief, there was an incident where he threw a flash grenade into someone's living room after they already had the suspect in custody. Um, No reprimanding whatsoever. Um, Also, while he was interim police chief, he stole a trailer from his neighbor's truck 
and spent the next week driving around with that trailer attached to his own truck. See, that's and there were about news headlines said that he took that truck out of police evidence. That's what I no. mean. Like they spin these stories to make it so it doesn't seem as bad as it actually is. Well, that that was one of those incidents where people realized that they can't call the cops. No, no. Yeah. Um, so so why the newspaper was flooded with calls. Why is this sob driving around with with you know my brother's trailer attached to his yeah. truck? You know. Why, um, why are people not leaving, you don't think? Why don't people leave? People why don't are. people, you know, go? Oh, you say people uh, are? I haven't seen official stats, but I'm, I'm sure the tourist trade has slacked in the last few years. Um, I do know families who have left the area. Um, my mom had to leave the area. Oh, um, wow. My, my sister moved to Tennessee altogether. She, she just said that, that there's way too much craziness going on around here. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, man, I really do appreciate. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's it's. I think it's an exponential thing, you know. When when the people we're supposed to trust the the most look to be getting away with some heavy duty crap, then it makes the smaller time, you know, people that much more willing and able to to see how far they can up their own antes. Yeah. um, I mean, who do you call? I mean. So do we ask kind of uh, different questions you think than um, you did with Bardstown? Did we do um, good? Yeah, we yeah, do good? yeah, yeah. Did we do good? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, thank y'all for for granting me the time to to rant like I do. Um, I do run at the mouth, but that's what blogging is basically. It's just talking to yourself. <laughs> so can I ask just a lighthearted question? I guess to go off. Uh, you still believe descendants of Kentuckians will all be centaurs? <laughs> well, I mean, we're the bourbon capital of the world, you know. Um, there is a lot of sexual deviancy going on here. Come on. And we are really into horses, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody knows us for Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby and all that. You know, those three worlds are bound to collide. I <laughs> say. It was like my mind just broke open when I saw that. Oh my gosh! That's awesome. It, maybe maybe that's that might not be the happy ending that we want, but it could be the happy ending that we deserve. Yeah, yeah. I do appreciate you uh, really taking the time um, out of your day and, and and agreeing basically to talk about probably a lot of the same stuff you talked about with Bardstown and just being willing to kind of go into um, a little bit of down the rabbit hole of. You know the craziness that is Bardstown and Nickel or Nelson County. Uh, so um, I hope you have a good day, and um, hopefully we can uh, speak again soon. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, my beef with those uh, natural, the national, you know, stories is like when you limit the questions, then you limit the possible answers, and that's insulting yeah. Yeah. when the people here have no answers. And mm-hmm. um. I think it was from a, a Sherlock Holmes story or something, but there's that line before that, you know, once once you remove all of the the rational explanations, if they can't cover it, then you have to look to the irrational. You know, you have yeah. to go a little yeah. bit further outside yeah. the box, and it might not be comfortable answers, but if those are the answers, you know, we gotta hope truth prevails. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. Hopefully, things will change by you uh, being willing to talk about it, and you know, people are going to post these type of things and and hopefully you will see change you know at least in your lifetime at some point i mean you went from uh that rally to uh get the mayor out and then it wound up happening yeah a couple yeah. years later right 
Yeah, but I think it might have just been replaced with more of the same, though. You well, know? hopefully, but all you New can do packaging, is New packaging, same great taste. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, hey, man, listen, I appreciate everything that you're doing, and um, I'll definitely be keeping in contact with you and, and, and reading up more, and maybe we can do a uh, an update when things change. Uh, uh, hopefully. I'd be yep. down for it, sure. Okay, awesome. awesome. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Okay, thank you, everybody. Right, thank thank you. you. Well, that happened. So, I mean, that was a great interview. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I really did enjoy it. Brittany, what was your thoughts? It was great. I'm really glad we got to talk with him. It... I know... I think I said this during the interview. Like, uh, we got a lot of answers, and it's like, well, you got to ask a lot of questions. But it's really insightful to get to talk with somebody that is there. Yeah, it was really interesting that, like, I didn't realize that he lived in Washington uh, County right now. So I knew that he grew up in the area, that he lived in the area for a while, but I didn't know where he was now. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to know that, like, not like no wonder he's so invested. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he feels like he has to write about that. It's like he was in writing before, and now he's doing other jobs and stuff too, but now he's realizing that he kind of has to talk about what's going on down there because it's so important to him. Well, it sounds like he moved back there in 2013 and that since so much stuff has happened, he's been... Yeah. He's been really in the thick of it. The craziest thing to me to think about is that when he moved back, we were graduating high school... (laughs) And not even Devin. Devin was still in high school. Yeah. He, for like another year. Baby. Uh, you're only a year older than me. Yeah, I can flaunt it. Yeah, that, exactly. But you're still old. Yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, I thought it was a really good, interesting interview. It was interesting to get him on a tangent of ghosts real quick. Yeah, it was. I, of course, it's a total freak show thing to do. What you didn't see was Joe made me leave the room to get his laptop right as we started talking about ghosts. Good. That means you have to go back and listen to the episode since you don't do that. I do listen to the episode. Don't worry. Tevin's never listened to an episode before in his life. Really? That's a lie. I've listened like seven. Have you really? Yeah. I thought before you said you didn't listen to it. No, man. You listen? Well, good for you. You're invested. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I do think stuff will eventually get better in Bardstown. It sounds like there's more than at least one person kind of working to try and rein the stuff in. It was interesting to learn that the Bardstown money gang, the reason why it's not talked about is because they're basically a bunch of gangster hillbillies without shoes. (laughs) It was very interesting to learn that, like, oh, no, it's definitely police corruption. They could do nothing. Yeah, I have the BMG down in my notes, and then Tevin can attest to this. What's right beside them? What notes do I have on them, Tevin? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I told you it was really hard to... Now, real quick, though, the EFT span, when I really... We didn't really get to talking to channeling a lot. He talked about ghosts. Yeah. They're big into channeling on, like, aliens and extraterrestrials because of the UFO cult yeah. Uh, yeah. part. So, like, you know, it's hard to know who to believe. We're going to have to do an episode on Scientology. Obviously, Scientology... Uh, yeah, you got to give me it on that one. Okay, well, there's Austin. Hello, Austin. Austin is in the room. Too, so, of course, you know, Austin, the Scientology... Wait, uh, Huh? Yeah. yeah, we're recording. Wait, what is happening? We're recording Wait, right now. We're doing it. This is the outro. Uh, yeah, yeah, you oh, walked so out. Sorry. I had no, no idea you're fine. Uh, we did, uh, or so, so Scientology, I doing more research on it and stuff, learning from people who are Scientologists, would say that nothing has to do with aliens. But then when you get into like readings and stuff and people who study Scientology, it's like, oh no, up in like the upper echelon of it all, there's aliens. 
and uh, part of it is channeling. They do channel go or channel aliens, and that's what these guys do. Uh, now it's a wildlife preserve, but before EFT span in St. Francis, when they bought all that land, it was used as a place to commune with uh, extraterrestrials and anyone that was, uh, you know, out of mind. So whether it be God, whether it be uh, God or aliens or ghosts or anything you really could get your hands on that was anything outside of your own brain. So, and apparently grow a lot, which it does make sense that they were growing pot and mm -hmm. shrimps and stuff because they were probably uh, into like psychedelics that would help them reach a higher plane of mind, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. Are you? Lots oh, of shrooms. I'm high huh? right now, yeah. Yeah, shrooms or... Uh, now, I do hear that acid does not do the same thing, that shrooms are the way to go. Uh, some people are really into that stuff. Like, they say acid it's good for your mental spine. health. Huh? Acid will sit in your spine. Yeah, and then you can't become a fighter pilot. Yeah. You ever hear about that? Where they, where they test your spinal fluid? Yeah. It's pretty sad. Yeesh. Well, I guess you don't want to be up in the middle of nowhere and then all of a sudden get hit in the back and be like, Oh, no, I'm tripping! Yeah. <laughs> 20 years worth of acid has come out in one... <laughs> That would suck. Oh, yeah, for sure. So whenever you go to an insane clown posse uh, concert, you always <laughs> aim for the spine. Aim, <laughs> aim for the spine. <laughs> Gotta get those gigolos where I'll get them. Why yeah, ICP? Where did you, wh wh why did you go ICP? Listen. They do seem you, like that. You've been around like I've been around. You learn things, you know? That's okay. But that's it, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, please follow us on Instagram. Uh, and Facebook at The Ooh, Freak Show Pod or Freak Show Po One on Twitter. Uh, Tevin is Barely Burnt Bacon on Instagram. Uh, Brittany, you are Jammy Skies on Instagram. Austin, of course, will not give his full name uh, or his Instagram. You because... can follow me at The Real Chet Larson. Oh, wow, you gave it. Why Chet Larson, it? by the way? Yeah, I, I, I did wonder that question. Why Chet Larson? Oh, that's, that's a story a, for another yeah, time. Yeah, that's a story. That's actually very relevant for a future episode. Oh, okay. okay. It really all right. is. Uh, all right. Well, guys, I hope you have a great week. And uh, listen next week as we talk about uh, the Mormon Charles Mansons. Oh. Yep. Uh, see My you guys. favorite. Bye. Bye.